Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, February 19th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about WandaVision Episode 7, Breaking the Fourth Wall. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and join me on this podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. That's right. Brad is back. If you didn't listen to the water cooler earlier in the week, you can hear the whole story of where he's been. I'm sure he doesn't want to go over it again. Um <laughs> But uh, people have missed you, Brad. A bunch of people have written in saying they missed your voice on uh, specifically the WandaVision podcast. So I'm glad uh, you're back and uh, hanging in there. And uh, it seems like, you know, when you came back, you you, you did the snap and half of our <laughs> our hosts of this podcast just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's good to be back. It's nice to have some distractions, and uh, yeah, I mean, this I've been keeping up with the show, and so it's been quite a ride so far. Yeah. Um, okay, let's start uh, with every podcast. We do four sections: feedback, which is answering your questions from the emails, uh, brief reactions from us, a breakdown of the episode, and then speculation about future episodes. So, uh, first of all, I want to read a comment sent to us on Twitter. And that was from Joe C. And he said, my Agnes theory is she's from out of town. Uh, she said, quote, I took a wrong turn, has a double meaning. That's why they can't ID her. She's not from Westview it, it, if she's not in on it. Well, we, we, we found out this week she was in on it. So I'm not sure that quite fits. But like, I, I do like the the wrong turn. Maybe Maybe that could be an indication of what we're going to learn of why she's doing things. I don't know, but um, okay, let's go to an email. <clears throat> Eric from outside of Philly was intrigued by Evan Peters, Pietro showing up in WandaVision and he theorized that the MCU will be leaning heavily into the multiverse in the future with Dr. Strange two and Spider-Man three. Uh, could this possibly mean that this is how Disney will let Spider-Man leave the MCU. As we know, you know, Disney and Sony only have a couple more appearances of Tom Holland as Spider-Man in the MCU. 
And he says, unless Disney has another deal up their acquisition sleeve, which seems unlikely due to the cash star pandemic, uh, add this Sony trying to create their own Sony verse with Venom, Orbius, and all the other characters. Uh, I was wondering your thoughts on this. Like, will he's basically asking, do you think that opening up the multiverse with the, this series is going to be the excuse of sending Spider-Man on his way after the Spider-Man three. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we discussed, um, you know, even before we knew that the multiverse was going to become a big part of it is it, cause it allows for a neat exit. It allows for the, a crossover with Venom to happen without explaining why uh, any of the other Marvel characters haven't been heard of or talked about in the, the Venom movie. And so, yeah, I think that, it, it, it does create this opportunity for Sony to have Spider-Man uh, exit the Marvel Cinematic Universe and enter their own Spider-Man universe while also still leaving the possibility open for Spider-Man to return to the MCU here and there, depending on if, you know, they want to work with Marvel uh, again for another movie or some kind of crossover. So I think that's definitely uh, a safe bet. Yeah. Um, I also forgot to say that I'm not in my usual home studio that's in my closet, so I might not sound as good, but... Uh, we're, we're, we're going to carry on with this podcast as usual. Uh, anyway, so um, Michael M. from Fort Collins, Colorado, writes in with a theory floating around online that Haywood could be Ultron. I'm not sure I like this theory, Brad. Uh, he, he could be Ultron in an evolved human form. This concept was used in the animated series Avengers Assemble and could be one explanation of Haywood slash Ultron's desire to acquire Vision's body. Has Ultron been hiding in plain sight? They they did mention Ultron in this episode. Brad, is this a crazy theory? Um, I mean, not necessarily crazy. I just think it's unlikely. I, I just think that yeah. this character is just one of those, you know, who's <laughs> trying to use the resources at his disposal to do something that he thinks will help you know, keep the world safe. And I'm sure he wants to use vision as a way to maybe create another being like him or use him as a soldier of, of his own. You know, the same thing that, you know, all, you know, uh, government organizations usually want to do when they find something powerful. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like I like any of the options for Haywood's, um, his whole motivations. Like it's either he's a good guy that is becoming bad with, you know, wanting to use this power that he shouldn't have, or he's being he has some kind of like you know ties to hydra or (laughs) i don't know i i just don't see me liking wherever they end up going with this but we'll we'll see um paul writes in about the ad from episode six uh i'm not sure if you listen to the podcast brad but uh we were all kind of confused on what the yo magic thing meant and Paul says that he believes Yo Magic is the power from the Mind Stone that was given to Wanda and Pietro. The kid is the other kids that were experimented on. Hydra must have attempted to experiment on others. They could have gotten it right the uh, right first time, or they haven't. They couldn't have gotten it right the first time. Those other kids didn't survive. Only the strong Wanda and Pietro survived. Uh, the whole thing feels like it would. Like, we're given some massive misdirection. I don't think Wanda's directly responsible for all this, as we found out in this episode. Uh, but we're being made to believe she is. I'd be confident in saying that Agnes is Agatha Harkness, uh, but not the villain. Being cast as her best friend, she's clearly a guide to Wanda. 
against her will for sure, but by appearing with what Wanda needs as when she needs it. See, that that's an interesting thing, Brad. Do you think, I mean, I guess we can get to that later in the episode, but do you think like this episode solidifies uh, Agnes as a villain or could there be, could it be the same thing with Wanda where there's like more to it? Uh, I think that it's probably that she's going to be the, the full on, yeah. villain here um there's a chance that maybe there's somebody else also behind agatha harkness pulling her strings too but just based on the end of this episode which we'll talk about in more detail i think it's pretty clear that she's she's using wanda to and helped her to get something that she wants yeah i don't think you can have a character say that they killed a dog and not be the villain yeah <laughs> even in a joke uh bob from nashville tennessee Wrote in, uh, Jacob last week uh, mentioned how he didn't know how Mephisto was pronounced. And uh, Bob wrote in that he's been saying it right. Mephisto is basically how you pronounce it. Um, it was pronounced in the second episode of Disney Plus Marvel 616 docuseries. And that's how it's pronounced. Uh, Dominic in Milwaukee wrote in and he says something that stuck out to me while watching episode six was Agnes's location at the edge of town in her car. What was she doing there? Is it possible that she was aware that this is the boundary that Wanda has created? Any ideas about what she was up to there or what she could have been doing? I found it interesting that she made a U-turn back to town after Vision caught her at this location. So I guess the question is, was she trying to leave the boundary? I don't think that would make any sense. Or was she trying to prevent Vision from leaving the boundary? I actually would wager that maybe she's she was trying to lead Vision uh, to get him to try to leave in order for Wanda to maybe potentially become a little bit more unhinged. And maybe she wanted uh, Wanda to expand the borders of the Hex. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it seems like for her to be out there, maybe she knew Vision would find her once he started moving towards the outskirts of town. And then trying to leave obviously sent Wanda, you know, into some kind of panic. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was because clearly she knew what she was doing because there's, uh, and we'll talk about this again later in the episode. There's a, there's like a flashback to what she, something that she did in between parts of that conversation with vision. So she, she wasn't entirely under Wanda's control, if at all during that, that scene. Yeah. Um, Robert Malone writes in from Philly And he said, on this past week's episode, you were discussing some theories about Hayward and his name uh, because some people uh, on the internet had noted that Hayward uh, has all the letters for Hydra, Brad. So so he must be Hydra, right? (laughs) Um, uh, Robert mentions that he wanted to let us know that one of the producers, and I think a writer on one of the episodes is named Chuck Hayward, so they probably got the name from that. Shows like Supernatural have done that all the time. We've seen, you know, we've seen in the credits in the show and like things on boxes and paint cans in the show where like people that uh, have worked on the show. So it's very possible that Hayward is just a tribute to that producer. So uh, Dara C. from Richmond wrote in with a crackpot theory. What if Sword is developing sentinels the anagram would make more sense 
as they were developing sentient weapons and Hayward's reaction to superhumans is reminiscent of Trask's hatred of mutants. Do you think, Brad, that we could we could be using sword to get into like sentinel sentinels and we already have an X-Men here. Like, could we be heading in that direction with sword? I think it's certainly possible. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's not a normal possibility for there still to be people who, you know, want to round up superheroes, control them that, and that kind of thing, even though they've been around, you know, for a long time now. And clearly most of, you know, most of them uh, have good intentions and try to keep the world safe. But I wonder if maybe there will be a rise in fear um, if they become more abundant, because one thing that I'm thinking of and that might end up leading into what will probably be present in either Spider-Man and or Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is we've seen what the Hex has done to uh, Monica Rambeau um, and in this episode. And so if, if this happens to expand any bigger somehow and has a larger impact, perhaps this is the way that we start to get what maybe people would consider mutants in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the population maybe starts to get scared because there are too many people with superpowers. Do we know what how the world is reacting to the blip? Like, I, I know we had, what, we only have one film, right? Spider-Man? At this point, after right. the events, and in the beginning of One Division, One Division, yeah. So I'm wondering, like, could because there was only superheroes there in the in that big war, could they be blamed for this? Do you know what I mean? Blamed for the for half the people disappearing for all that time. That could like could that come back to be like, you know, the Scovian discards? Like, like could it could it be like? Could that be something that humanity kind of places on, you know, the superheroes as like they were responsible for this happening and this I, could push us? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's definitely a, a possibility. Um, when, you know, when we get into Spider-Man Far From Home, it seems like the world has gotten to some back to some sense of normalcy and there's not really much like hate for the Avengers necessarily. I mean, after all, people know um, and revere Tony Stark for sacrificing himself to save the world. So I think that there's, I, I don't think there's probably fear or anger, at least from the majority of the population. I'm sure that there are some people out there who still think, you know, trusting superheroes is probably a bad idea because of what happened. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a seed that could grow into something for sure. Yeah. I was just going to say that I, those tributes, like the, the murals on the walls and stuff for, for Iron Man, um, I, I guess probably don't go in that that theory of that direction, but interesting. Okay, let's get into brief reactions. Uh, Brad, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I mean, this was I'm I'm on board with you know, this entire series, and this was you know just more of uh, the great reveals that we've been getting as far as the the mystery opening up and learning things, especially when it comes to the the very end of this episode. Um, I will say one of the things that I was down on and disappointed in is because I feel like a lot of the previous episodes when it came to the comedy emulating the various sitcom styles we've seen uh it was all pretty good um and this one dug into modern family territory and i felt like the comedy wasn't that great in this one it felt a little too 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 hokey almost bordering on like a disney channel-esque show um and modern family even though it, it it lost some of its sheen uh towards the the later seasons 
it was at the, at, in the first like four or five seasons, it was a very clever, very funny series. And this just felt a little too like um, hokey family sitcom to me. And that's not that's not entirely, you know, what what Modern Family was. And so I I wish the comedy stuff uh, was better here because um, like the stuff with the, the circus on the outskirts and everything, it all felt a little too slapsticky and just goofy to me. Um, but otherwise, the you know, the expansion of the the. Uh, the mystery and the reveals that we got uh that that was all you know very fascinating and interesting but it did feel like an episode whose sole purpose was to set up the big finale that's going to unfold over the next two episodes you know it's funny brad i i know you're a huge fan of sitcoms and i i i while i like the older sitcoms like the you know 50s 60s even 70s sitcoms i like i'm not a big fan of like modern day or even 80s i'm not a big fan of modern day sitcoms and uh, I haven't really seen many episodes of Modern Family or Arrested Development or The Office. And th- this, to me, on the outside, felt like it was capturing, like, the wackiness of, I don't know, like, banana stands. And so, I don't know, it, it just seems, like, all kind of weird and wacky to me from the outside of not having watched many episodes of Modern sitcoms. So it felt amusing and funny. But uh, I'm guessing it wasn't as smart as those shows. Yeah, the, the comedy here was yeah was definitely a little, much more elementary than it is on on any of those shows. Yeah, um, I a, a lot of the reveals in this episode I feel like just confirmed our theories from previous podcasts, and so they played to me more like you know vindications or confirmations more than surprises. Uh, that's not a bad thing. Uh, you know, people like feeling like they're right. And, you know, we were right about some things. Although last episode, after um, Vision had that encounter with Agnes, I, was, I I went back on the train that she wasn't Agatha Harkness. So I was completely wrong. <laughs> so so they, they, they fooled me there. Um, the ending of this episode is, I think, what I was thinking last episode was going to have how like because i think i predicted like the end of episode six would have like that third act turn and i think this is like the end of this episode is largely propelling us into what the third act of the story is and as much as we've gotten or i want to say we but like the internet as much as the internet has predicted some of the twists and turns of the show i'm i'm not quite sure i under i i i'm not quite sure i know where we're headed or how it's all going to be resolved or even motivations. Right. So, yeah, yeah that definitely is still very, very much unclear. We have, we have no idea what what the end, the actual end game here is for, for these characters. Yeah. And that, that's exciting to me because I feel like most times in like when you're in a superhero thing and you get up to the third act, you kind of like have it figured out what's going to happen. So it's exciting that I think we don't know what's going to happen. Um, Okay, let's get into the breakdown. Let's. Uh, this episode is titled "Breaking the Fourth Wall," which obviously the characters do. It's thirty-seven minutes long, although the episode is only like thirty-one or two. Why, why is there like seven minutes of credits on these episodes, Brad? Um, I mean, there are a lot of visual effects artists and, and whatnot. I, <laughs> also, I'm not sure because I have never watched all the way to the end of the credits. But is this on Disney Plus? Do they do the thing where they also have the uh, um, credits for like? Uh, yeah, they do the international. Yeah, yeah, like stuff. the foreign audio dubbing and stuff. 
Yeah, it's 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 just insane though. Like it makes the episode look like it's a lot longer than it is, and then you get to the point where it ends, and you're like, no, the screen of death. Um, the you know the uh, I hate that screen. Okay. Uh, and by the way, this is also interesting. I'm not sure if you've been paying attention to the rumors, Brad, because you weren't on the superhero beat uh, beats bit the last couple weeks, but um. There were many sites out there that were reporting that the last three episodes were going to be an hour long each. And that was based off a, a quote I think Kevin Feige gave to Collider or someone. And he basically said, like, the runtime for the series of WandaVision. And everybody, like, added up what the previous episodes were. And then we're like, that must mean that the last three episodes are going to be an hour long each because he said this amount of time. And that turned out not to be true. So. <laughs> Oh. There you go. Yeah. Um, although I don't know. So if if Feige if Feige's runtime is to be believed, maybe the next two episodes are like an hour and twenty minutes each, or maybe the final episode is a feature length. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised enough. if the last episode is is at least the longest one of the season. Yeah. Okay. So the cold opening has Wando waking up in bed alone, and it's kind of like this. Would you call it like Arrested Development style of talking to the camera? Or no, what? so Arrested Development isn't a mockumentary style series. This is it's definitely Modern Family and, and The Office inspired because the the title sequence um, is also also feels like it's it's a little more inspired by The Office than it is Modern Family. Yeah, um, the set here is very colorful. It's open. It's modern. Uh, the cinematography is employing that like almost feels like there's cameras in the room with like doing their zoom ins and their pans. It, it, like it feels, you can feel the cameraman in the room. Um, Wanda is making herself cereal in the scene. And it's interesting because I'm not sure if you noticed this, Brad, I know you're a big connoisseur of cereal, but she was eating a cereal called sugar snaps, which I think is a reference to the snap. Maybe I, w- I would imagine it's probably, uh, probably a, a little nod to that. Yeah, it also had a clown on it, which I'm guessing is foreshadowing where we're going later in this episode. Uh, the announcer on the radio that's playing in the background says the call sign for the radio station is WNDA, which I thought was funny. And uh, the twins are playing games, but the objects they are playing with just keep on changing uh, from various decade to decade. Um, w- what is happening here? Because I don't think we actually get a clear answer. Is it the fact that the hex has grown so big that She's unable to even control like last week we saw like these zombies kind of on the outskirts that she was unable to kind of control. But why are things even in her like close like view now like malfunctioning? Yeah, I think this is it's it's either because the hex is growing so big that she's not able to control it as easily anymore or that she's just under so much stress that she's starting to lose control. That, that's a good uh, reading of it, I think. Okay, so Wanda decides to take the whole day just to herself. The opening title sequence, which you mentioned, uh, sounds like The Office, but the titles are more like Modern Family. Is that correct? Uh, it, actually, the, the title sequence itself, like the design with like the different versions of like the name being spelled and everything, isn't really like um, Modern Family either. Because Modern Modern Family's mm-hmm. uh, title sequence is actually a very quick thing. It's um, it's basically just different family portraits and that they keep zooming out of to show another family hold, holding the portrait until they reveal all of the characters. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Goldbergs, but the Goldbergs is a sitcom that's set in the 80s. So 
Um, I, I, I think that it's, it's mostly inspired by the office because the office does have a thing where it just, it just shows different, like local areas in Scranton, Pennsylvania, while also introducing the cast. And so I, I think they, they just did kind of, yeah. uh, just a modern style opening credit sequence. Again, I know nothing about modern sitcoms, so I'm going to get a lot wrong with the, these references. <laughs> uh, but Brad is here to correct me. Um, it's interesting. Most of the titles here like has like Wanda's names on various signs, but there's one. Did you see the ransom note? No, I missed that. Yeah, there's like one like quick clip that like has like these like these letters that look like they were cut out of like a newspaper or magazine, and it says, "I know what you're, I know what you are doing, Wanda." Oh, is what it said. Interesting. Yeah, so, and I'm sure by the end of this episode, we know who that is, right? <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. Um, although it's interesting, the end title card that actually you know says WandaVision underneath it says created by Wanda Maximoff, which I think might be the first time that they say that. But it, is that accurate? I mean, I mean, did, yeah, te- did she create this text? I mean, maybe she did. Yeah, technically, I mean, because when she was asked how she did it, she didn't remember. So I think, I mean, at least partially, maybe like. You know, maybe she's the the creator, but uh, Agatha's the showrunner. Okay. Uh, Eight miles outside of Westview, S.W.O.R.D. has set up a temporary base. And we learn that the signal has stopped. So they're not seeing any of the TV show that's being uh, broadcast. And Hayward says that they're launching today. What are they launching? Because I don't think we see that in this episode, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I, I maybe they're mobilizing forces or something. I, I'm not. I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, Vision wakes up with the circus around him. They think he's the new clown, and they also think Darcy is an escape artist because she's chained to the vehicle. Uh, I don't know. I I really like these puns. I I I, I think it's funny that like you know. I mean, Vision does kind of look like a clown. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I did I did appreciate the, those little things and how, like, they used what was their actual appearance or what they were doing before, you know, being in the hex and, like, tying it into that area. Yeah. Uh, the twins asked Wanda about Pietro saying that – about killing Dad again, and she says he's not their uncle. Um, do you think she now knows the truth? Like, it seemed like last week she was – Trying to convince herself that, that it was her, it was him. Yeah, that's that's something that was very strange to me because I, obviously she, you know, she knows what she did and what's happening there, and so for her to be perplexed by the appearance of someone that wasn't there before and that it's her brother and everything, I, I don't know like what she was thinking or why she was so willing to accept that it was happening in that way, and so uh, so I wonder if that's part of you know, Agatha's influence and making her making her not see some of the weird things that are happening uh, in the same way that sort of like she tried to make sure Vision didn't see the things that would have made him aware of what was happening as well. Yeah. Um, and Wanda goes off in this like hilarious rant saying that she doesn't know what she's doing and that everything is meaningless. And I don't know, it's, it's so much fun to see Elizabeth Olsen having fun. Like we don't, I feel like with a lot of her roles, a lot of her roles are so serious and self-serious that you don't get to see her have fun like this. And to me, it was just a joy to like actually see her like getting into it. Yeah, for sure. She, especially watching her, you know, go through all the different motions for each sitcom and changing 
the the comedic style for each one. She's she's been fantastic in this series, as has Paul Bettany. Yeah, uh, Agnes shows up and takes the twins to give mom some alone time. Uh, is that what Agnes is doing, or is she taking the kids? Because it looks like looks to me like she's taking the kids. Yeah, I mean it's 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 so funny too. Like it's uh, it got like innocently mischievous there for a little bit because like like a in a jokey way, but that was also menacing how she's you know taking the kid and she says, "Oh, I've I've bitten a kid before," and it's like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, later, Agnes entertains the twins, and one of them has her rabbit, which is funny because I thought the rabbit was just part of that like magic show episode, in, uh, the second episode. But she actually has a rabbit. I mean, uh, I, I guess uh, uh, witches and warlocks have rabbits. Magicians have rabbits for sure. Um, Billy is unable to hear any of Agnes's thoughts, which I think if you're if you're not already suspicious of Agnes at this point, you should be suspicious when that moment hits um monica and Wu are driving to a military base darcy's findings reveal what we have all suspected that hayward was trying to bring vision back online and nothing worked until wanda stole him we still don't know what he wanted to do with vision uh we talked about that later um uh they meet up with major goodner at the military base now for a couple of episodes now, Monica has been like, I'm, you know, I'm going to meet my contact. It, it, she has this big uh, aerospace engineer contact and fans have been theorizing. We've heard names like Reed Richards, Victor Von Doom, Hank McCoy, James Brody. Um, everybody thought it was going to be a big person. But then this character shows up and is new and... As far as I can tell from all my Google searching and Wikipediaing, uh, the character of Major Goodner has no relation to anybody in the comic books. That said, Brad, now fans are they're in their denial, speculating that Goodner was not, in fact, the aerospace engineer that Monica was contacting, but Major was just the one dropping off the vehicle from the, the engineer. And... <laughs> What, what what do you think, Brad? I, what? I did think that as well. I like because you know you you. I I think it's most just because you want it to be somebody that is like going to be a cool reveal or something. But I I think that there's there's an equal chance that you know this is that character and it's just you know maybe, maybe Marvel even knowingly like teasing fans, being like, oh, let's see what they think, you know, when this happens and see what what theories come out of it. Yeah, on one hand, I would love to see the engineer show up like in the final episode to be someone big. But on the other hand, Monica does like thank her for her loyalty to her mother and stuff. And it, it really feels like this is the person that's doing her the favor personally. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. Um, there's also, <laughs> to give this more weight, there was this interview with uh, the actress that plays Monica, Teona Paris. And she was interviewed by comicbook.com. And here's a quote, Brad. I can't wait till you see. Wait, I can't wait to see what y'all's reaction is when you learn who the aerospace engineer is. Is what the quote was. So I think that also fed into everybody thinking it was going to be someone big. Like, what do you think, Brad? Does that quote... I mean, I think it also feeds into the idea that maybe we haven't met the aerospace yeah. en engineer and that's something that has yet to be revealed. Or maybe that's just her 
teasing like like oh, I can't wait until you see who it is and it's not anybody you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so the six-wheeled sword space tank of sorts rolls off the truck, perfect for Monaco's plan. Uh, meanwhile, at the circus, Vision unlocks Darcy's true self and they escape in a funnel cake truck. Um, the furniture around Wanda keeps changing into objects from other decades. It gets worse and worse and more intense. Wanda talks to the camera about being confused as to why it's all falling apart and she can't fix it. And uh, this is when we have like the, you know, the fourth wall moment breaking, fourth wall breaking moment of this episode. I feel like every one of these episodes has something that like is very unexpected in the the confines of the sitcom it's presented. And this one is this voice that off camera asked if she thinks she deserves it. And Wanda is surprised that the person behind camera actually talked. Do pe- people behind the camera in like The Office or Modern Family or any of those shows like ever talk to the characters on camera? Um, so not on Modern Family, although I will say that I, I haven't seen the last few seasons of Modern Family. So I don't know if that was something that changed as they got towards the end of the episode. But there was there was never really any acknowledgement on Modern Family that there was a documentary being shot. I think you just kind of accepted that that was the style of the show. But when it comes to The Office, uh, in the, the last, uh, I think it was either the last couple seasons or just the last season, uh, there started to be some acknowledgement of the crew behind the camera because uh, there were a few, uh, there was a, um, they first introduced it when they were doing an interview with Jim and Pam and the crew, um, they like, they cut the interview and then they, they showed Jim and Pam talking to the people behind the camera for a little bit. And then there was a, a little subplot where one of the the boom mic operators kind of got involved in the story because he stopped Pam from being attacked by one of the warehouse workers. And so they, that became part of the office for a little bit, but other than that, the crew wasn't really like part of the the show that you never really heard them talking to the, the characters. That's interesting. I got to admit the first time I saw this moment happen in this episode, I wasn't even thinking about who that was behind the camera, but after watching the episode and you see later, it's Agatha. Uh, watching it back again, it's definitely her voice. It's definitely that actress's voice. Is it really? Because it's because yeah. it sounded like a man. No, or at least from what I heard, it sounded like it, it sounded like it didn't sound like Agnes's voice, but it sounded like a deeper Agatha voice. Huh, interesting. I'll have to go back yeah. and listen to that because I, um, yeah, because I, I was I remember being surprised. I was like, wait, who is this man talking then? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So the commercial time. Uh, feeling depressed, like the world goes on without you. There's this woman uh, from the previous commercials. She's on a bench in a park watching kids playing. Uh, Do you want to just be left alone? The woman falls into a bed. Ask your doctor about Nexus, a unique antidepressant that works to anchor you back into your reality. It shows this pill that's red. I think just like Wanda's powers. Um, And or the reality of your choice. The woman walks away from the bed, which is now like standing up on the wall. It's a really cool effect. Uh, side effects include feeling your feelings, confronting your truth, seizing your destiny, and possibly more depression. Don't take it unless your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life. Most importantly, the narration for the ad closes by saying, because the world doesn't revolve around you, or does it? What do you think this commercial says about Wanda, Brad? Uh, I mean, 
it's a, it's an, I feel like it could go in a variety of directions because, you know, it seems like maybe the potentially the future of the world of this, of this universe hinges on Wanda because she's so powerful and you know, what will happen next, or maybe whatever Agatha's trying to do is some, has something to do with you really tapping into Wanda's powers and having her do something on a, such a large scale that it will have some kind of impact on, on the world at large. But I mean, I think in a more, in the more likely sense, I think it's, it's just focused on this idea of how she maybe, you know, potentially opening up new portals to, to these other universes and things like that. Because, um, I mean, the, the, the nexus, you know, is, is, it's supposed to be this thing that like is a gateway to all gateways essentially. And so, I think that this is something that will is likely another hint at the um, the introduction of the the multiverse that is coming our way. I think you're right. So in Marvel Comics, the Nexus is a cross-dimensional gateway that provides a pathway to infinite realities. I know that sounds like a lot. Um, the Nexus beings are those rare entities that act as keystones of the multiverse. And they're crucial in to its overall stability. One of them uh, usually exists on each parallel dimension. And in Earth's 616 cont- continuity of the comics, Wanda is the nexus being of Earth 616. So a lot of people are theorizing that, um, you know, Doctor Strange is about the multiverse of madness. And Wanda might be a key to opening all that up. How does she fit in? Is she the bad guy of that? movie we don't know but uh it definitely seems like uh she's gonna play into the multiverse side of things um okay monica puts on a cool looking sword spacesuit and loads into this heavily armored space rover using it to try to breach the wall but things don't go as planned the hex overtakes the vehicle just as monica escapes and Monica realizes that she can just do it herself. So she just walks through the wall herself. We have this cool effect with these multiple versions of Monica. We hear these voices from her mother, Captain Marvel. Uh, her eyes turn. She like actually goes through the wall. And her eyes turn this weird blue color for a few moments. And she powers through the wall. And once she's inside the hex, it's interesting because she can actually see the wall. Something everyone inside the hex can't do. And she has she hasn't been turned into one of these characters in this world. She she retains her spacesuit outfit. Um, and she has these blue eyes, which I guess is like the color of her powers, kind of like the red is you know, Scarlet Witch's powers. Uh is she now Spectrum? Uh, I think that that's probably the the best guess. Monica Rambeau has had a variety of aliases in Marvel Comics, but considering when you when you see her point of view of uh, Vision, it's clear that she is she's picking up on the energy that's emitting from the power cables and whatnot. So she clearly has some sense um, of like being aware of the energy that surrounds her and likely able to you know generate it and manipulate it um as we see you know once she gets further in, into westview so i feel like that's probably the best bet for who she is but i think that you know she, she could easily take on you know some of the other aliases that she's had in marvel comics and it would still uh, still yeah. work work well for her power base 
what are the other ones like uh proton Ph- photon pulsar photon um, photon. yeah yeah yeah, so she could be any one of those, uh, but she clearly has powers here, and she clearly has blue eyes for some reason. <laughs> uh, Darcy's in the vehicle with Wu, and he's filling, or she's filling in vision on the details of what happened in the MCU with the snap, and it all sounds very ridiculous. Uh, they <laughs> they come to a broken traffic light, and Vision believes it's Wanda creating these obstacles to prevent him from returning home. Uh, the question I wanted to ask you, Brad, is, is it Wanda doing this or is it Agatha? Do, who want, who does not want Vision to, I mean, I guess Wanda wants to be alone at this point. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder if part of this is, it's, you know, Wanda's subconscious that's still doing the things that she was doing in the beginning, you know, keeping the world going, trying to keep um, Vision in, inside of it and that that kind of thing. I think it could also be, be Agatha. The thing that I kept thinking about during the sequence is like, what's i don't know what's stopping them from just like going around these obstacles like there clearly seems to be enough space when the that electric crew is working that darcy could just like do a quick drive around and not have to worry about hurting anybody and you know it's and i I was i found myself also thinking like what was keeping vision there obviously he realizes he doesn't need to be there and he you know uh phases through the truck and, and flies away but like um and they do have that great scene where he he's doing the talking heads and he's like no way what the hell am i doing here um, but like, I wonder if there's still some, there was still an, also the subconscious control that she had had over vision before of trying to keep him there so that he wasn't thinking clearly enough to like do something about getting out of the situation. Like he's still stuck in the show essentially in some form. That, that was my favorite moment of this episode was when vision, like he's doing his confessional and he realizes like, what am I doing here? Like, and he removes his lav, lav mic just like walks off the set. Like, yeah. does that ever happen in like the office or any of those shows? Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. It must've after that many episodes. I feel like that, I don't know. It's just such a brilliant moment. Yeah. There was, that's never, I don't think there's ever been anything where like any of the characters like walked off like in anger or anything <laughs> like that, but they like gotten up like when something happened outside of the frame of the talking head and, and stuff like that. Um, there's also a moment before that where vision's talking about how he's unsure of, what he is now he did he like so we we don't even know vision doesn't even know what's going on with him and darcy said knows that their love is real and they belong together and uh <laughs> i i think once i heard that moment i'm like yeah wanda's not the like overall villain of the show yeah so if, you, if you're gonna have a character say that like there's more going on here uh okay uh monica bursts into the Wanda's home and Wanda's not happy about it. Of course, Wanda uses her powers against Monica, but quickly realizes that Monica also has powers. And she even does like her superhero stance fall yeah. to the ground. Yeah. Uh, Monica tells Wanda not to let Hayward make her the villain to which Wanda responds. Maybe she is, or maybe that she is. Um, it's kind of sad that Wanda doesn't even know like who's pulling the strings here. But I guess, uh, you know, she's going to find out. Uh, Monica tries to reason with Wanda, explaining that her pain is the truth. And just when we think that Monica might be connecting with Wanda, Agnes shows up. And for the first time, we're seeing, like, her show a bit of her teeth as he she, like, takes her away from the situation. Yeah. And uh, I also want to mention that there we, again, see a, randomly the postman in the background. 
he's now a FedEx man, or he's like a dressed as kind of like a FedEx driver kind of thing. But he has a uh, on his uniform it's Presto, which is a magic word. So that kind of fits with what's going on with uh, Agnes. But we see him show up every time, like m- many times where Agnes is. What is going on with this postman? I feel like he's involved. And now that like he has an outfit that says Presto, what do you, what do you think? Um, I think that there's a, that maybe that there's a, uh, a possibility that some people or maybe even just a couple of people in this world maybe aren't simple Westview residents. Maybe they're also helping uh agatha in some way um because that but at the same time his reaction does seem like somebody who along with some of the other people who are kind of waiting to see what's going to happen and i think because they're they're nervous about what will happen if wanda gets pushed to a like a breaking point they're trying to keep keep her peaceful you know keep her calm as they can because they don't know what will happen to them if she loses it and so I think that maybe he's just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. And then once the situation is has been calmed and, you know, they get Wanda away from there, he's, he goes he's back, back to his normal business. Like, okay, everything is fine kind of thing. Okay, so this is where everything goes down. We're inside Agnes's home. Wanda begins to realize that something is wrong. There's something sinister going on here. Uh, a, a huge bug climbs on the window curtain. I've, I've read online from people that this bug is a cicada. Yeah, cicada. Yeah. Um, and some fans online are also speculating that some of the speculation that I read on this show, like it seems so ridiculous, but so much of it has become true. So I just relay most of it that I hear. Um, some fans online are speculating that the bug might be F- Mephisto because the character first appeared as a fly in the comics. What do you think, Brad? I mean, there's always a connection somewhere. And I think I feel like some of these things are probably like intentional things that Marvel does to make little nods that don't actually are any, aren't anything significant. But they're just kind of little Easter eggs for fans to be like, oh, nice. Yeah. Wanda wanders into the basement looking for the twins and finds vines overflowing with this in this like it's like a dark ancient temple below the house. And she finds this glowing book of magic. What do you think this book is? I am not entirely sure. This is something that might be out of my, you know, Marvel Comics area of knowledge. I would imagine it's probably one of the many books that, like, people like Agatha or, like, Doctor Strange can use to do certain spells, certain things like that. And this is probably one of the more powerful ones that allows her to do nefarious things. Um, I... I I wasn't entirely necessarily sure um, how to look, look it up because there's, a, there's clearly a symbol on it. And it's one that I don't, I don't recognize. Did Were you able to figure anything out about this book? Um, well, to me, it looked like, yeah, it looked like definitely like one of those books from like Dr. Strange's library or something. And uh, I was able to find something uh, in the comics, the, uh, the nexus of all realities. Uh, you know, there's that word Nexus again. Uh, that was first introduced in the 1972 comic Fear number 11. And in that comic, a portal was created with this incantation read from a forbidden dark magic book. In that comic, the destruction of the book led to reversing most of the effects it had on reality. So I, fans online are speculating that this book could be like the MacGuffin of the series where the 
conclusion of the series will all rely on them destroying the book to restore reality or to ruin the hex, which sounds about right to me. I mean, you got to do it somehow. Uh, but uh, and other fans are speculating that the book might be something called the Darkhold, which I was not aware of. But it's a uh, apparently it was something that was present and accounted for in Agents of Shield, which is kind of canon. Uh, it's, it's more. It's some other fans are saying that it might be the Necromo- Necronomicon, Necronomicon, which is yeah. um yeah is not the not the book from the Evil Dead, but in the comics. It's a book that Wanda reads from in the Lanning and Abbott run of the comics that reveals her status as one of the many Nexus beings of the multiverse. So, so people are, I think, are just connecting connecting all this Nexus stuff to Wanda and trying to find how this book plays into things. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about the book? Like possibly that 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 being a MacGuffin for the series. I think it's it's likely will be yeah the, the item that will probably need to be de- destroyed in order to maybe undo whatever spell is um, that Agatha presumably has Wanda under. Um, but you know it's one of those things too where like we've heard Doctor Strange talk about how certain spells work and things like that, and so I I don't I part of me wonders if it's probably not going to be that simple. Uh and this is probably, I think, my my absolute favorite part of this episode. Was Agnes comes in and introduces herself as Agatha Harkness, and we we have this musical opening sequence showing for an episode for a TV show called Agatha All Along, which has this kind of like monsters esque uh, theme song to it, and it shows Agna, Agnes um, messing up everything from the magic show to bringing in Pietro, to messing with Vision. She killed Sparky, and she was even the voice behind the camera. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, her magic manif- manifests itself in a purple color, kind of like how uh, Scarlet Witch has red and uh, Monica has blue, I guess. Uh, what did you think of this whole sequence? I just thought it was so much fun yeah i love this it's it's so sinister and comedic at the same time and i it's so dark that they end i'm just like oh and i killed the dog too <laughs> and then that's the, end, that's the end of the episode um but yeah it's katherine Ka- hahn man she's uh i i've loved her for a long time but like seeing her uh in this show has just solidified you know how great of an actress uh she is even more and so this the sequence was just a yeah a great showcase for her to be this you know darkly hilarious sinister villain yeah i can't wait to get because it almost seems like she's playing like a disney animated like witch of so like you know you can kind of have some fun with that kind of role yeah and we haven't seen much of that in marvel like villains that kind of can be villainy yeah i mean i think Kate blanchett probably did it best as hella oh yeah yeah true and this show had a post credits scene which i think is the first time the series that we get the a traditional marvel post-credits stinger we did like i think on the first episode or second episode we got to see like some you know uh darcy's character looking at a screen but it was before the credits hit it wasn't like or as the credits hit this was actually after the credits this this actually came i watched this show one time and i missed it so on my second viewing for this podcast, 
was uh, the only time I actually ended up getting to see it. So I, I actually missed it the first time around. And this is uh, Monica snooping around Agatha's house and finds an entrance to the basement and sees this purple glowing vines. Uh, she is caught by Pietro wearing a beanie and she looks at him and has purple in her eyes. So before she had blue in her eyes, purple is the color of Agatha. And she has purple in her eyes. What does this mean? Like, is she now under the control of Agatha? Or does that just mean that she, like, realizes what's going on? Yeah, I think I'm I'm pretty sure that that's just the that's Agatha. You know, it's showing her control over Wanda, whether it's it's been there all along or if that's her now just fully taking over Wanda so that she'll do what she wants now that she's become aware of what Agatha is doing. Um, I think probably will remain to be seen in the next episode, but that, yeah, that's clearly her powers at work on Wanda. Yeah. Um, and Pietro is clearly working for Agatha to stop anyone from interfering with whatever she's doing. And well, uh, and, th- and this, this makes me wonder now too, because initially it made it seem like, Oh, maybe Pietro was just like a creation of Agatha or maybe a person like made to look like Pietro. And what's interesting about this, and I don't know if you talked about this on the previous episode, but they're releasing a, a Funko Pop of Pietro, but the character name is in quotes on the box. So I'm not sure if that's because oh. if that's because it's like a recast of Pietro, and, and and like it's like this is the character Pietro, or if it's in quotes because this isn't Pietro; it's somebody as Pietro. Um, and so I'm curious if there if she's turned somebody to like make them look like Pietro, or if it really is you know, the Quicksilver from the X-Men universe uh, that has that is being used in this way. Yeah, I, 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 we're, we're still, still all really confused how Pietro is going to factor into all this. But, like, you know, they're clearly opening up the multiverse. So it, it seems to me like it would make more sense for him to be someone from the X-Men Marvel universe. Yeah. And not this magical creation that just happens to look like exactly the person from the x-men multiverse that's probably going to come into play and right. at some point but i don't know yeah uh okay let's get into some speculation uh andrew gamboya um contacted me and he the- he has a theory he says and i like this theory i don't think it's going to come true but i really like this theory he theorizes that next week's episode won't pick up where we left things off. Instead, we're going to get like a bottle episode where it is an episode of Agatha all along where we, we go back to the beginning and it'll give us a backstory of who Agatha is, why she's doing this, her point of view during WandaVision and uh, with some possible more reveals, but the whole thing will be Agatha centric. We'll see what Wanda is seeing in her head. Then the following week, the finale will pick up, where this episode left off. What do you think about that? Uh, that's a very cool idea. And I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility since they, that's essentially what they did uh, in the, was it the fourth episode of WandaVision when we, when we got to see everything that unfolded from the perspective of sword uh, and Monica, oh, yeah. Monica Rambeau. So uh, I, I think that would be very cool to see. Um, and maybe it'll show us how, Agatha, you know, worked with Wanda to set this up or manipulated her to set this up and why she's doing what she's doing. And it would be a good way to send us into the finale so that we know what she's up to, what's like, what's at stake, what's going on. Um, So, yeah, I I think that's a cool theory and I I would like to see that happen. 
I, the reason why I say I don't think it's going to happen is I feel like if they were going to do this, they would have they wouldn't they would have kept this like opening title sequence for that episode. That's possible. But um, I don't know. Maybe that's me reading too much into it. But I I definitely think that there's a lot of stuff that needs to be filled in for backstory. Like we want to find out, you know, who Agatha is. We want to figure figure out what actually happened with. Wanda taking vision out of that place. What, you know, who actually created this hex? And it's always lazy screenwriting when you have someone on screen tell you about it. You want to show people it. I did just think about something. I think that we'll get at least some kind of flashback. And uh, because there is one shot that was in, I don't know if it was one of the TV spots or trailers, where you see um, Scarlet Witch in her typical Avengers uniform and she's flying through um, a place that we, I think we saw re- uh, previously that was uh, made to be like sword headquarters or something where Vision's body was being kept. And I don't remember seeing that exact shot in that episode. And so I wonder if we'll get a flashback of, and see how Wanda got Vision's body or if they sword ends up getting a hold of Vision again and she goes to sword, sword headquarters to yeah. get him or something. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think Sean brought that up on a previous episode. Uh, that, that's a good call. The, I don't know, it, it, it's just, it's it's interesting because there's so much you need to like, I still feel like they there's questions to be answered here. Like why sitcoms, you know, we, we have the same actress in these commercials, which everybody's theorizing the actress and actor is uh, Wanda's parents. And I feel like all that stuff could be easily filled in with like a flashback, but how do you do that? I'm not sure. Um, okay. Uh, some questions about the the future of this show. Uh, what, what do we see happening? Is this going to be like Monica and Wanda versus Pietro and Agatha? Is that like what we're setting this up for? Uh, I really don't know. I mean, uh, because one thing that we also have seen too is that um, in the trailers, there's been this there's this brief exchange between uh, Vision and Wanda where they're in the middle of Westview, and Wanda says something about this is our home, and Vision says, "Well, then let's you know let's fight for it." So it's Vision and Wanda um, working together again, and then I would ass- probably assume probably yeah against Agatha, maybe quote unquote Pietro. And whoever else maybe is involved, if it, if the, if Mephisto is around, or if there's somebody else pulling Agatha's strings, I don't know. Yeah, it, do you think anybody is pulling her strings, or do you think she is the big bad? The the Mephisto theory is a very interesting one, and but I just I don't know. We've I, I originally like maybe at the beginning I would have said that seems like a deep Marvel Comics pull to bring into this. But then I, I think so was somebody like Agatha Harkness. And so I think we're getting to that point where we should just maybe accept the fact that Marvel is really willing to dig into those deeper corners and pull those weirder characters. Um, but at the same time, if Mephisto is is involved, uh, much like Agatha, I don't know what the character's you know motivation is, what their their end game is, and what what they're trying to do. So it's still there's still a lot of compelling mystery here. How. How do you think Vision fits into these things? Because it it feels like he he can't survive this show. He already died. He died twice, actually. Uh, 
if him and and uh, Wanda fight for it, like, does the end of that, like, you know, if she destroys the book or whatever the ending of this destroys Agnes, like, is there any way that Vision can fit into the future of things? Or is, is this just going to be a sad ending where she's going to – is it going to be, like, what I wanted from – I know we've talked about uh, Wonder Woman 1984, you know, Diana having to give up Steve, uh, her her wish to realize, you know, what, what to fix all this stuff. And it's like this moment that's like so poorly played in that movie. I, f- I feel like they're going to do that moment in a big way in this show is what I'm thinking. But what do you think? I think that makes a lot of sense because I, I think that and I'm starting to wonder if like. Scarlet Witch maybe won't become the I get, become the villain of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as we've talked about before because it could go either way but I, I feel like it would be a disservice to Wanda as a character to turn her into a villain from this when it's clear that she's just going through a very intense and difficult grieving process and I think that what what needs to happen for her as a character is to come to some semblance of peace about losing vision and knowing that there's nothing that she can do um, to bring him back. Uh, I think that's, that's the crux of this, this show is, is her grief. And that's why, you know, uh, Monica is such a big part and why she's trying to connect with Wanda because she knows what, what that feels like because she lost her mother. Um, And it's a, yeah, it's, it's the, that's the heart of the show. And so I feel like to do something that would turn Wanda into, you know, what would essentially become, you know, a bad guy, not to say that they couldn't use her as a villain and still make it significant and, you know, an emotional hardship and whatnot. But I feel like that there has to be some kind of closure for Wanda and vision at, uh, at the end of the series. Yeah. The, the only last question I had on here is like, where, where are Tommy and Billy? Where, where do you think they've gone? And like, what do you, how, how do they figure into this? Because they are characters that we pretty much assume uh, they're going to grow older and be part of the young Avengers, right? Yeah. And so I don't think like, you know, where are they? Well, what is, what does Agatha want with them? That I honestly don't know because it's without knowing what she is trying, what wants to do or is trying to do. I don't know what their place um, in her plan or, you know, potentially somebody else's plan behind her could be. Um, that's, that's something that I, I, yeah, I really don't have any idea about. I think that's, that's one of the things that is still very exciting about this show. Do you have any uh, final speculation or theories of where this could be headed or have we covered it all? I th- yeah, I think we've covered it all at this point. It's been, you know, cause like we talked about before, this kind of just confirmed a lot of our theories. And so even though there are still some mysteries lingering as to what's happening, um, I think it's it answered more than than it did, you know, give us new questions. And so, and we we've addressed them as you know we talked about this episode. So, yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see what what happens uh, here in these final two episodes and how uh, what it means, you know, for the the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For sure. Um, if anybody out there is listening and you have theories, comments, questions, send them to peter at slash and uh, we get a ton of emails, so I, I can't promise you that we're going to read them on the air. A lot of the emails that get sent after an episode of this 
end up being invalidated after the next episode comes and uh, some of the emails like overlap with the same theories and stuff so i can't promise we'll read your email on air but we do read every single email so if you want to send an email for our feedback seg segment send it to peter at slash home.com and please if you can head over to itunes and write us like a one or two sentence review if you, if you like this podcast uh, that helps us quite a bit because that helps more people find this podcast uh, you can find both me and Brad at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. And uh, yeah, that I guess this is another week, another WandaVision. And we'll talk to you guys on Monday.